Gather round, take a seat, relax. It's the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Afton, right here on 101.9 High FM. This is 101.9 High FM. My name is Rabbi Levi Afton, here live on this Tuesday, the 21st of June, the 22nd of Sivan. Hopefully we can bring together 34519 as the text number to get through to the station. And we'd love to hear your thoughts. So, where are we? What's on the agenda today? So what the, what's on the agenda and what I want to explore together is the emotion that has shown in the last few years to be the single most powerful emotion of the human being. Powerful in its effect on a person and powerful in how other people can manipulate it. And that's fear. Fear. I never really appreciate that statement from FDR, who said the only thing we need to fear is fear itself. But I think the last few years has given me a whole new appreciation of the truth of that statement. That the greatest fear is when we allow fear to take us over. In other words, it's fear itself and what it does to us that really should make us terrified of going close to fear. Now, obviously, I don't need to state it, but just for the sake of context and not to be taken out of context, fear in the right dose and the right space is necessary, right? If you're being chased by a thief or a wild animal and the fear is is giving you adrenaline to do what you need to do to protect yourself, awesome. But fear is something that's supposed to come and go based on circumstance. But when fear becomes our identity, when fight or flight does no longer becomes a momentary response, but it becomes our core identity, in other words, our, our body's constantly in that fight or flight mode, we've gone too far. And I feel like so many of us are living in a fight or flight mode constantly. And the last few years has not helped the situation. And on the contrary, I think fear has been a huge um, factor of our life. And a lot of it justified, right? If I, if I don't wear a mask... What am I going to do to somebody who, who who's elderly or who has comorbidities? Now, that could be a statement of responsibility, but most of the time it also becomes a statement of fear. What's going to happen if I get COVID? What's going to happen if I go out shopping? What's going to happen if I don't wash my shopping eight times after it comes back? What's going to happen if I go to the show? What's going to happen if I don't? What's going to happen here? What's going to happen there? Should I? Should I not? Fear has been at the forefront of many, if not most of, our decisions in the last few years. And fear, as we said, in the right dose and the right context is not only good, it's necessary. But what happens when fear becomes the core identity and suddenly fear has become so ingrained 
in us that we cannot think outside of fear. That literally we're living a fight or flight mode long after the the fear is justified. Now, I could hear what people saying, but but there's always justified. What do you mean, right? You know, COVID's going to be with us for a long time, and the economy is struggling, and the world, and this and that. And let's be clear: if a person's looking for reasons to be afraid, yeah, there's lots of reasons. In other words. I find that the whole argument when I tell people, you know, when we discuss with each other, we talk about fear. So often people will say, but Rabbi, you don't know what's going on here and you don't know what's going on. You didn't hear this, didn't hear that. And you're like, okay, so what are you trying to convince me? You're trying to convince me there's justification to live in this fight or flight mode. You're telling me it's justified to live with this absolute terror painted all over my face. Great, it's justified. Mazel tov. Great. One, well done. But at some stage, you don't ask yourself if things are justified. You ask yourself if they're right. And it's a very different question. In other words, is fear justified? Well, if you're looking for justifications for fear, not from a moral stand, but on circumstantial um, reality, then yeah, there's lots of reasons to be afraid. I mean, yeah, if you want to be afraid, like if you if you're looking for excuses for fear. The excuses are not lacking. We we can supply them in in, uh, in abundance. But the question is not whether we look for excuses to be afraid, but rather we the question is, do I want to be afraid? One of the most powerful prayers. It's a prayer that often gets unnoticed because it's at the end end of each of the services. Shachris min chamar the three prayers we do every day. There's a small prayer. After the Aleinu, it goes like this. Do not be afraid from a sudden terror. From the panic that could cause by, be caused by evil people. They could come up with terrible ideas against you, but it will be taken away. It will be removed. Because God's with us, etc. But just those those few words, Altira, don't be afraid. Or we say Lo Sira mi Pachad Laila, mi of Yaman, we say in Tilim, don't be afraid of night. I believe we it's also in the paragraph that we say when um, when we escort somebody to the final resting place in chapter ninety one. Don't be afraid. It's a, it's a, um, I don't know if we're talking to them or talking to us, but this idea that we're constantly saying, don't be afraid. We see it in the Torah as well, when Moshe Rabbeinu, when Moses is talking to the Jewish people and telling them about their upcoming conquest of Israel as they're moving from the desert to the Holy Land, and more than once it's Altira, don't be afraid. Chazak Vermatz, be strong and bold. For me, just an interesting nugget, you know, if you open the book of Joshua, which really is the historical epilogue to the five books of Moshe, it's like the next stage, it's part two. And uh, in the first chapter, you see three or four times the words coming to Joshua from God, from the people, Chazak Vermatz, be strong and bold, don't be afraid. 
Now, the reason they're saying not to be afraid is not because fear is unjustified. There's good excuses to be afraid. That's why he's tempted to be afraid. But what they're saying is don't allow fear to seduce you. Don't allow fear to get its hold on you. Because the moment it's, fear is there, logic, sanity, good decision-making, it goes out of the window. Interesting, the Torah tells us that when uh, the Jewish people would go out for war, they would announce that people who just got married, they shouldn't be out to war, they should go back home if they just built a new home, if they planted a new vineyard, etc. And then it says the, fi the final category of person who should go back is ish hayarei somebody who's afraid and is of weak heart. Their heart is weak. In other words, they, they don't, they're lacking courage. Go back home. So that you don't cause other people to be afraid. In other words, the Torah is coming and saying, if you're afraid, if fear is dominating you, go, go, go. Because not only is it risky for you, it's risky for everyone around you. And we see it. We see it in ourselves. We see it with the friends we hang around. Emotions are, are very contagious. Ideas are not contagious, right? If you're sitting next to a, gen a genius, you don't become a genius just by sitting next to them. <laughs> um, but emotions are contagious. For most of us, if you're sitting in a room with, and like there's a strong fear or anxiety or joy, it will affect you. It's hard not to. Fear, emotions are contagious, especially fear. So when a person is struggling and has incredible amount of fear, the Torah says, go, go, because your fear is contagious and it will affect other people. So it is so important when we live in times like these that we stop looking for excuses for fear and rather, instead of having an excuse to be afraid, we look for excuses why to be courageous, why to believe. And one of the ways that I believe is vital in the job, in the step to remove fear, is a healthy dose of grounding and self-awareness. And that's why here's a song to listen to. It's called Who I Am, a great song by my favorite lyricist, A.B. Rottenberg. This is 101.9 Chai FM. you all to know me so I'll try by asking one small question it won't take up too much time can you tell me can you answer who am I oh I know I'm very different by the things I cannot do 
Just who am I as you quickly pass on by? But believe me, you and I are much the same. Have you known the pain of sadness and the feeling that it brings? Yes, I'm sure there have been some times you've had to cry. And that loneliness is worst of all, I'm sure you will agree. Then we are not so different, you and I. Do you know the joy of friendship, of caring and of love? Somehow I get the feeling that you do. Then we are not so different, we are very much the same. You do know who I am. Just like you. This is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Avtson on 101.9 High FM. This is 101.9 Chai FM. My name is Rabbi Levi Afton, and here we are on the Fabringen Show. And you were just listening to Who I Am by A.B. Rottenberg, a fantastic song. It's Originally, the song was written about children who struggle with d- disabilities, mental, emotional, and the idea that we're all, we're all the same. 
and we all can have more empathy to each other. But for me, the song means a lot more. It's also just about getting to know ourselves and something that I feel now more than ever that has to be to getting to know thyself, but with a caveat, a specific part of yourself. Get to know your strength. Get to know your resilience. Get to really know how powerful you really are. Um, Because what fear does, fear makes us blind to our inner strength. And it, it colors, it's like this poison that comes into the brain and warps our decision making. I'm going to say something, and it's controversial, and why, you know, I, I believe it to be true. Um, you know, there's no, it's no secret that in the community recently, immigration numbers have once again started going very, very high. And I've been, I've been asking myself, okay, what specifically happened now um, that didn't happen five years ago or 10 years ago or 20 years ago? Obviously, I'm not convincing myself there's no challenges. It's huge. But what is it that is causing such a uh, hype? And I believe a factor, um, you know, I'm scared to say the factor, but a factor is fear. Um, and a lot of people's decisions, you know, whether it's people taking the kids out of schools and moving them schools at a very, very, you know, uh, drastic rate, people emigrating. There's just a lot of movement, a lot of movement in people's lives, a lot of divorces, um, a lot of change. And I believe that a, a factor in that is fear. I think when fear takes over, um, we start making very different decisions. And sometimes the decisions could be correct. I'm not saying everyone's decisions wrong. I'm sure there's many people who are emigrating or take or moving their kids' schools who are getting divorced for justified reasons. But many are not. In other words, if they were thinking with the same objective brain they were thinking before fear took over, I don't think they would make the same decisions. Feel free to disagree. I said it's controversial. In other words, I'm sure if any of you listening are one of those people who made such a decision, you might take personal offense. Well, I'm sorry. And in other words, I I don't know you. I'm not specifically talking about you and your circumstance could be different. But having spoken to so many people and trying to see a common denominator, because as much as each person makes their own individual decision, which I believe, there's also, you know, common denominators. There's an energy in the in the in the space that makes people want to do things. You know, when it, it becomes a contagion, and I think there is an incredible contagion when you hear people talk about my my children's future. I'm afraid for the future, or um, I'm I'm afraid for myself, etc. Um, okay, I hear it, but. To make a decision out of fear is is very risky. And I would tell the person, maybe you'll make the same decision eventually. But I would encourage an individual who's about to make a big decision that's going to uproot their life to wait till fear subsides a bit in their heart, that they do some work on their fear, and then ask themselves the same question. If it's the same decision, you know, awesome. But if it's not, 
at least you now know what's generating decisions. Because I believe that the big decisions in life have to come from a place of right and wrong, not necessarily what I, what I feel. I mean, there's nothing wrong with listening to a gut, but that is only secondary to right and wrong. My gut could tell me a lot of stuff. Some of the stuff could be great and some of the stuff could be absolute nonsense and uh, immoral. So the first thing a person has to ask himself is what's right in this situation? And when there's fear, fear taints that color. It doesn't allow us to make a decision from a place of health and moral clarity. It doesn't, it doesn't allow us to think it through. And for me, I, I, I think that's very dangerous. I think when we make big decisions that will have huge ramifications, justified fear is a factor. Now we're going to get into this um, endless loop of what's justified fear. Every person who has fear will say it's justified. Um, okay. I, I, I don't think that's an argument that, that can ever achieve um, true conclusion. For me, justified fear is one way of looking at it is once your emotions are gone, you're still equally intellectually afraid. In other words, when you look at the fact from an objective point of view, um, once your emotions have calmed down, you're still making the same conclusion. That's usually justified fear. But when it's just an emotional contagion of, oh my gosh, there's no future. Why is there no more future than there was 10 years ago? I've heard all the answers already. Honestly, I've spoken to so many people about emigration of this country. And as an emigree to this country, in other words, as someone to emigrated to this country by choice, um, it still baffles me. It baffles me that for 60 years, at least, maybe even from the 50s, the, that's two and a half, three generations. There were people who believed that this country had five years left. And at some stage, you're like, you know, it's like a addiction to doomsday prophecies. It's like, I, I remember, I think I heard it um, from Zev Krangel. He says, every 18 months, there's another crisis that makes us want to leave. Fear is huge. Fear is so ingrained. And again, it's justified that we have a history. You know, it's in, it's in epigenetics. It comes from parent to child. But at some stage, a person has to be able to look into fear in the eye and say, I don't want to live with you like this. It's unbearable. I cannot live like this. I don't want it. In other words, do you want fear? Has, has, has fear become a very comfortable bedmate? Has it become this being that you cannot, you know, it's like the teddy bear that you have to take to bed each night and, and walk around with you each day. Um, you know, these young children running around, they can never leave their the, the little, um, little menchie. They can't walk around without that blankie, um, or toy or whatever, or doll. That was the word I was looking for, doll, gosh. Um, by us, we, we develop such things as well. It might not look as 
um, childish. It might feel much more sophisticated, right? Fear is not a blinky, is it? Well, maybe it is. It's just another thing that almost makes us feel familiar and in an odd way, comfortable. You know, one of the most fascinating um, syndromes that are in the world is what's called the Stockholm Syndrome. And that's the famous story, I believe it happened in the 70s, um, of people who were held hostage for a few days and eventually they started identifying and almost begging for, on behalf of their tormentors. They started identifying with the people who are causing them so much pain. And since then it's been called Stockholm Syndrome. And there's multiple applications of that, but I think in this context it's like, even though fear causes us so much anguish, it's almost a familiar anguish. And just like people will stay in very abusive relationships, often because it's what's familiar and what's unfamiliar is much scarier. I think we do the same thing with certain emotions, whether it's anger, resentment, faribles, um, entitlement. We often know it's not good for us, but it's familiar. And it, it offers some comfort. And we start identifying with our enemy. Because, yes, these emotions are our enemy. They, they're undermining us. They're not allowing us to live the fullest. So ask yourself this question. Ask yourself, what factor is fear playing in you? What's it doing for you? Because let's be honest, it's not serving us well. It's not making us um, look at reality from an objective view. I'm not talking about false optimism. I was just reading this fascinating article about this fellow who, who was held captive by the Vietnamese for eight years during the war uh, and following the war. And he says the optimists are the one that died because the optimists were saying, we're going to be out of uh, captivity in two months. No, no, we're going to be out by New Year's. We're going to be out by, by holidays. We're going to be out, etc. And he said, I knew that I would get out eventually. I knew that it would be okay eventually. I didn't give it deadlines. In other words, I accepted my reality and therefore I was able to live. So I'm not talking about optimism that just kind of causes letdowns. It will, I'm telling you, this is the moment. That, that's risky. But a general perspective that says things will turn out okay and that I will not buy into the new fear and the new fad of fear that, that pops up in the society every few years or months, a new reason that this country doesn't have a future. Um, I'm not going to buy into it. For 60 years, we've defied the prophecies of doom. I venture to say that it will, so it will continue till Mashiach comes and beyond. This is a song that I want to play now. It's called Take the Time. It's a beautiful song that really tells you to calm the anxiety, calm the anger, calm the fear and really take the time to plug in. This is 101.9 Chai FM.
Listen and you learn, my son. For you, the world has just begun. Still, before you know it, you may turn around and see that life has passed you by. Hear and heed the things I say. Think about them every day. Make of every minute what you see when you begin it, or it passes by. Make the time for things that count. Cherish the friends that you find. Think three times before you shout. Always remember to be kind. Listen close when children speak. Treasure the things that they know. The toys and tears of the young. Can you spare a dime? Sorry, but I ain't got time. Daddy, can we study, please? Sorry, son, but don't you see? I can't today. Little things that come and go slip away before we know. The handles of the clock advance, and we who wait for second chances must obey. The time to do things right. Always believe what you say. Ask yourself each morning and night, who am I closer with today? Speak to Hashem with an open heart. There isn't a shoulder so wide. There's never been a better time to start. Then you're pride Turn around and see that life has passed you by Every moment is so dear Time just doesn't stop to care Swiftly as a shadow The moment as we turn around It passes by So take your time to do things right Always believe what you say Ask yourself each morning and night Who am I closer?
This is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Afton on 101.9 High FM. This is 101.9 High FM. My name is Rabbi Levi Afton from Linksfield Chill, and here we are. And that was just an extra piece of music that I felt was appropriate for the context of what we're talking about. Take the time. I think we all have to dig deep and remove fear from the dominant emotion of our lives. And we turn to emotions like joy, awe, wonder, love, hope, faith, aspiration, dream, and so many more. Fear is a emotion, has its role, but as the expression goes, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired, right? I think uh, we can be sick and tired of living in fear. If it had a function to play, and that's a debatable, I believe it, it's, out, it's outlived its function. And at this stage, I would venture to say that more people are suffering because of fear than from the pandemic or from almost any other thing. I believe that a lot of the mental health struggles that are going on, especially in younger, younger people, a lot of it is generated by fear. Just they see fear all around them. Um, and I think as parents, it's our obligation to lower the fear dose in our home, not turn every conversation into um, a COVID conversation or an emigration conversation or a tragedy conversation. Although each one of them has, you know, again, they have their function. But to lower the dose, almost to see, you know, to see it as one person one time said, just like as Jews were supposed to eat kosher and we, we watch what goes into our mouth, we also have to watch what goes into our brain and what emotions we allow to take over our heart. And fear beyond a little bit isn't kosher because it doesn't make you function to your optimal. I mean, the, one of the reasons we eat kosher is because that's the right food for us to live the optimal spiritual life. And the same thing with content, data, information, sight, thoughts, emotions, etc. Kosher is what serves a function to elevate us. Unkosher is when it it's outlives its function. It outlives its function. And unfortunately, a lot of these intense emotions that have dominated our reality for so long have outlived their function, and now they're causing more damage than harm. You know, this week's Torah portion is the portion of Shlach. 
And it's the famous story of the spies. The people are, who go check out the land, Moshe sends them. And 12 spies are sent, and only two come back with their emotions intact. The other 10 are terif- terrified of what they saw. We saw giants. We felt like grasshoppers compared to those giants. We saw big cities. We saw terrifying realities. We saw a country where everyone's dying without realizing, oh, the people, the reason there were so many funerals is because God was distracting the people so that they don't look at the spies. But they didn't interpret the data correctly. I guess understandably so. And they come back and say, everyone dies there. And those who do live are giants and they're scary and they're horrible. And they literally brought fear back with them. And everyone's terrified, everyone's crying. And God looks and says, but one second, I, I took you out of Egypt. You saw I did miracles. What, what is going on? And unfortunately, that day that they cried turned into a day of incredible tragedy, the ninth of Av. Fear was literally the dominant emotion that derailed the story. And think about fear as the generator of most of the big mistakes the Jewish people did in the desert and throughout history. The golden calf, right? It was 40 days since Moshe said he would come down. The 40th day was passing. He wasn't there. We're afraid we don't have a leader. Let's make a golden calf. We're afraid of going into Israel. Um, Let's rebel with the story with the spies. And so on and so forth. Fear is such a generator of chaos. And mind mind you, again, it serves its function, but I believe fear is also a great generator of stupidity. People make very stupid decisions, foolish decisions, um, when fear is the dominant force. So let's put fear back in the box it belongs. It has a function, but it's just one of many things we need. And if you imagine all your emotions as just a row of with each one in its own box, fear has literally dominated the whole row for a while. And at the beginning, maybe a lot of fear was used to convince people to, you know, go into lockdown and don't come to shul and don't do this and don't do that because it was so novel. But uh, by now, fear is long outlive its function. And I think we can all do a lot of goodness for ourselves by taking a chill, literally. This is 101.9 Chai FM. This is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Avtson on 101.9 High FM. So uh, I'm going to finish off with a great song. It's in Hebrew. And it's I'm praying for my children. Amen um, by Hanan Ben Ari. And in short, the lyrics is, um, you know, praying for my children. That they don't inherit my dysfunction. In other words, that I protect them from my own nonsense. And I think it's very appropriate because we think we're doing our kids a favor by making them terrified of the future. You don't have a future over here. You don't have a, you don't have a future here. You, this is not where it's going to lead to, blah, blah, blah. Um, COVID is scary. That's scary. Don't do this. Don't do that. The world's a scary place. And in the right dose, it, it creates a cautious child. But in the incorrect dose, it creates a terrified child. So I say, Amen, Allah yaladim shali. I pray for my children that they do not inherit my dysfunction and that we don't pass over 
our fear that needs to be worked through to our children. Because what your children do not need is more fear. They've had way too much in the last few years. They need confidence. They need hope. They need optimism. They need grit. They need the belief that better days are ahead of us. If you don't believe it, well, that's your problem. Don't make it theirs. Have a great week. This is 101.9 Chai FM. Shavua Tov.